Welcome to the Access Church Podcast. Grab out your note sheet and let's jump right into today's sermon. Hey, good morning, everybody. Hopefully this is our last pre-recorded service. Uh, Unfortunately, uh, well, fortunately and unfortunately, uh, we we couldn't get to our school campus um, to record this Sunday, uh, but it's also going to be 100 and something degrees, so maybe we're fortunate. And hopefully it cools down. Um, The rest of this month in September, we are gonna be on our new campus, Lisa J. Mills Elementary School, and it's gonna be an open invite. We won't have all ministries open. Obviously, we're figuring things out. We have to buy equipment and all that as we get on the campus, but uh, the leaders are going to be on the campus this Sunday at nine o'clock. We'll be walking the campus, and it'll take us uh, a few weeks uh, to kind of get things set up and ready as far as all the ministries running. But you can bring chairs, you're easy up, uh, bring some food with you, some water, and uh, with our new service time, hope that helps at 10 a.m. now. And But we're just looking forward to being back together. Uh, obviously, um, you know, come as comfortable as you want to be as far as uh, we are outside. And with people having food and drinks, some will have masks. If that's something that's important for you, please uh, wear a mask, we encourage that. And um, just respecting people kind of where they're at, let people know. Um, we don't, I know everybody's kind of weird, like do I hug, do I shake a hand? Just ask someone kind of what they're comfortable with and uh, I think it'll be, it'll be good, but it'll be great to see uh, everybody. So that's next week. And um, also we have a lot going on. Uh, we have signups for connection groups. We have signups for ministry teams as far as where people might want to serve. All that is on our website. If you just go to our website, it's right on the front page there. But also if you have our app, it makes it really easy. At the bottom of the app, it says sign up. And you can sign up both for connection groups and uh, to serve in a ministry team. And serving on the ministry team, just so you know, uh, you might not be 100% like, well, what exactly is a schedule, all that. We don't know just in general, what ministry, where do you wanna serve um, to help kind of get things going and be part of the, the Sunday ministry team. So. Um, but that's some easy ways for you, again, to download our app. Andrew, do we still have that tutorial uh, on the website? We have a tutorial on the website, really easy, takes one minute, show you how to download that app, and make sure you're good to go. With that said, uh, I was kind of thinking about what to talk about today, because we're in transition. We're gonna be going through the book of John for at least the fall, probably the winter, kind of take our time, and we're gonna be calling it Up Close and Personal with Jesus, and just getting to know him the heart of God, um, the desires, um, the things that he wants for us. And as we do that, just to, in a sense, kind of just reestablish that closeness, that personal relationship with God, but also as a church, what has God called us to? And uh, John's one of my favorite gospels, one of the biographies of Jesus' life. And so uh, I think it's going to be really cool. We're going to really take our time, not necessarily verse by verse, but we're going to be taking our time to really uh, understand uh, the heart of God. The Bible says that Jesus is the full embodiment of God. And so when we hear him, when we see him, we see the fullness of God. And that's powerful. So if you want to get a head start, definitely start reading John. Just start dabbling in it, uh, reading through, taking some notes, kind of saturating yourself in it. And I think it'll kind of illuminate things a little bit more as we go through it over the next few months. So I was thinking about what I talk about today. We just took the Access VIP, those people that are very invested people. 
we just had some meetings and kind of walked them through some stuff as a church. And it was great because we had some great dialogue, some great feedback, uh, but also just a great time of sharing kind of where our church is at. And I thought, well, let's go ahead and just share that with everybody. And so I kind of want to walk us through that. So I'm going to pray and then um, just kind of a little bit of time as far as where Access is at and where we're going. Jesus, thank you so much uh, for this beautiful day. And uh, Lord, I just pray that uh, as I share today, that it would really just um, motivate us and gel us together as a church. And we'd really have clarity on, on just what you desire for every church, but specifically for us and how that works out for, for access. And uh, God, just thank you um, that we know you and that there's clarity on who you are. We don't have to second guess or wonder. And uh, God, I pray you give us just ears to hear, eyes to see, and hearts to receive this morning. In your name, amen. So when it comes to like purpose, mission, vision, those are kind of like buzzwords. And then every company kind of comes up with a pithy statement, whether they follow it or not, right? Maybe you walk into some companies and it's like up on the wall. Um, but it doesn't necessarily mean that, that they're following through on it but everyone knows they need to do it. And um, so in some ways, mission statements, we can be a little cynical towards them. It's like, yeah, throw a statement out there, who cares? But it is kind of good as far as a, a healthy church and a healthy company will use it to make sure that we're not drifting away from maybe what we're called uh, to do. We see this happen all the time. It's called mission drift, right, in the business world. Uh, and it happens constantly, even when people know about it, it's, it's because it's easy. It's easy to drift away as far as um, from our why. What's our why? Why are we doing what we're doing? And that's what a mission, purpose, vision statement um, kind of helps us with. Let me give you an example of this. Um, Harvard, obviously, right, an esteemed school, I guess maybe depending on your views of what esteemed school is, but it's, it's pretty esteemed. It graduates some amazing people brilliant people, right, to get there to Harvard. This is Harvard's original purpose statement. I believe this was in the 17th century. So this is like almost 400 years old, but this is how it started. Harvard's mission statement, we have it. It says, let every student be plainly instructed and earnestly pressed to consider well the end of his life and studies is to know God and Jesus Christ, which is eternal life, and therefore to lay Christ in the bottom as the only foundation of all sound knowledge and learning. That's pretty clear. Uh, Harvard graduated a lot of ministers and a lot of pastors, but that wasn't its necessarily primary purpose. It was that it wanted to uh, build a school of people that were very knowledgeable, very learned, but with the foundation as far as all that comes from Christ. And so he is our foundation in that. So that, that's the, um, that was the mission statement. Um, a long time ago. Um, and if you know Harvard today, you'd say that's nothing like the Harvard of today. Well, yeah, there was a drift over time. Not, I mean, 400 years is a long time and it kind of happened incrementally. And that's the thing about mission drift is it creeps up on you. And not only that, but then you begin to reestablish what your vision is um, because you forgot what it used to be. Here's the mission statement for Harvard today. It says, the mission of Harvard College is to educate the citizens and citizen leaders of our society. We do this through our commitment to the transformative power, the transformative power, that's a strong word, but there's no God in this. It's the transformative power of a liberal arts and science 
education. It's interesting that, and with this drift where you, you really go away from where it first started, uh, there's ramifications to it. And so at the beginning, Harvard was graduating um, very learned Christians, intellectuals that went out throughout the world. In fact, most, when it first started, would go back to Europe. Um, today, uh, I just looked up on the Harvard website, the Crimson recent survey of 2019 class uh, demonstrates that um, of that class, 38% uh, categorize themselves as agnostics or atheists. So almost half of Harvard now graduates after years of being there proudly um, agnostic and atheist, complete opposite of where it started. And I say this as far as not to rip on Harvard or anything like that. Harvard is just, it's symbolic of what can happen to a lot of churches. As far as why do we meet? Is the purpose friendships? Is the purpose just support? Uh, what's, what's the mission state? What, what are we trying to accomplish? Is it is it just to um, be, um, you know, to be likable? Is it to kind of fit into society? Is it, what's the reason? Um, Jesus gave us the original statement. So we always got to go back to that since he's the founder and the Bible says he's the head of the church. And so that statement that we can never get away from is when he talks to his disciples, right? Before he goes up into heaven, he says, listen, go, here's, here's your assignment. Go make disciples. Right? baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I have uh, commanded you. And so he kind of gives us this, this purpose that the, the church is about disciples and discipleship. And so what I wanted to do today is to kind of break that down into a language of how we begin to define those things. As far as if that's what Jesus says, like, don't, don't drift from this. Don't drift from, we are about making disciples um, and that from that, disciples go. So as, as God transforms us and changes us internally, it changes then us externally as far as as we go about and how we go about. And so I just want to kind of put this in a language of how this fits for Access Church, how we kind of break this down for us as far as as we move into the fall. In a sense, this is a, this is a relaunch. I mean, we have a new campus, new service time, we're going to have all new equipment because all of it got stolen. Um, in a lot of sense, too, when this first church first started, we have completely new leadership team at every level. Every level of ministry is completely new leaders. So this is a good time for us to say, okay, let's kind of go back. And some of you might be thinking, but wait, don't we already have a, a, a mission statement as far as why are we redefining this? And we're not necessarily redefining it, but we're rewording it. So about three and a half years ago when we started, our, our purpose statement was um, to be uh, a community and a movement of faith, hope, and love through Jesus. And I think that was inspiring, faith, hope, love, community, movement, right? Communities were coming together, movement as we're going out. But I, I think it was too broad and it wasn't specific enough to where I think in these three and a half years, sometimes we've lost what we're about, if I'm honest. I think, I think we've lost our identity at times. And I would say that at all levels, from leaders to people that are new. And so we want to get a little bit more specific as far as um, wording for us, um, Jesus's desire as far as to go and make disciples, baptizing them and teaching them. So here's how it works for us. Access Church 
It exists primarily, so this is the primary reason, so there's other things that might be happening at Access or, or other things we might be doing, but we can't lose this. The primary reason we exist is to equip and encourage people in three ways. Now those words are important, equip and encourage, because Ephesians 4 talks about that the leaders, the primary jobs of leadership in a church is to equip people in order to serve, in order to build up the body of Christ. So leaders don't go and do it all. They equip and encourage people, giving them the, the knowledge, giving them the tools, giving them the understanding so that they can serve, and not necessarily like on a ministry team, but, but be servants, to be disciples in a church that, that collectively strengthen a church, making it mature um, so it can fulfill the desires that God has for it. And so we exist to equip and encourage people in three ways. And we think that this, these three ways are the ways of being a disciple and doing discipleship. The first thing is that we want to equip and encourage people to experience Jesus personally. We want to be a place where people are equipped and encouraged to experience Jesus personally. Um, this is really important because a lot of times we talk about, well, you need to read your Bible or you need to pray. And what's crazy about those things, or you need to go to church, is you can do all those things and, and not experience God. Those things are tools to experience God. See, so you see, we believe that, that God is alive and kicking today, that He wants to interact with us and be with us every day. And we know that because the Bible says that when we become Christians, He deposits His Spirit into us. So God is living in us. And I know at times we don't feel that, right? Some days you're like, I don't feel like God's living in me the way I'm thinking, the way I'm speaking, the way I'm acting. And that's where he's an amazing, merciful, gracious God. But he puts up with a lot. But the goal is to change us internally, that we really experience him. So when we read the Bible, that there's a transformation. It's not just information. You're not just memorizing, but it, you're absorbing it. And so we want those words specifically that the church is called to be a place where people experience Jesus collectively, but also personally. Um, this is what draws us to baptism, right? That sense of baptism, dying to myself, rising up anew in Him. That I've experienced the grace of God, the forgiveness, the understanding of how much He loves me. And so I want to die to myself and I want to rise new in Him. I've had a personal experience. Um, this happens when, again, our time with Jesus, reading the Bible, listening to worship, praying, that we understand that that time is a time to experience Jesus, to experience His presence, to experience His wisdom, to experience His hope, His encouragement, all those things that we experience. And that's what transforms us. You see, the primary role of the church is to have this kind of core transformation, that we really are different we view things differently, we think differently, we speak differently, but it's at a core level. And that can only happen when I think of the church as a place where I'm going there and I'm a part of it to be transformed. So when I show up on Sundays or I show up to group, my prim not my only desire, again, going to church, it's great to see people, it's great to have the coffee, going to connection groups, um, we're starting those up, right? And, and those there can be a lot of reasons, but we can't miss the primary reasons. And I think sometimes we have, if I'm honest, that I go there to be changed, to experience God. 
And when I say experience God, sometimes we can interpret that in a lot of different ways. You know, as far as getting the chills, or I get really emotional, and emotions might come, but that doesn't mean that you've experienced God. Experiencing God means that you're changed. That's it. That I'm changed. I go to a Sunday service. I go to connection group. I open up my Bible, and I'm allowing it to change me, even when it's hard, because most time it is hard. Jesus is going to say things. He's going to change you, and that's a difficult process. And we're going to have sometimes a hard time being like, man, do I want to, when God says certain things or the Holy Spirit lays something on my heart. So it's difficult. And that's why we need to be together, right? The encouraging and the equipping. Look at what the Bible has to say about this as far as speaking specifically to the Christians in Rome. So I'm going to, I'm going to be talking out of Romans. Romans 8, 29 through 30 says this, For God, uh, for those God foreknew, he also predestined, so for those God foreknew, so he, he knows who he's going to create. He knows everyone that is going to be living. God knows all those things. He predestined or he, he, he decided. This is his God's decision for people that are Christians. To be conformed to the image of his son, that they might be firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined or predecided, he also called. And those he called, he justified. And those he justified, he is also glorified. So we see in Romans 8 that Paul's saying that, listen, God chose you and his decision is this, is that to he, his desire is to conform you to be like Christ. So God doesn't want you just to know Jesus. He truly wants you to become like Jesus. That when we read the life of Jesus, and this is why we're going through John, when we read the life of Jesus, we say, we're familiar with it. Oh yeah. That's the way to think, or that's the way to act, or that's the way to speak truth, or that's the way to forgive, or that's the kind of heart to have, a mindset to have, that we begin to identify with Jesus, not read it being like, oh yeah, I should be like that. And then we don't do anything. Oh yeah, I should be like that. Or reading the life of Jesus seems so um, far removed from our life. The goal is the gap between Jesus and us when it comes to our heart, our thinking, our actions, that as we read the Bible, as we pray, as we go to church, as we're in connection group, that gap becomes like this. His desire is not just that you know him, is that you are conformed to be like him. That's one of our primary reasons of existence, to make disciples, to become like Jesus, because that's where the greatest joy, hope, that's where confidence, all that comes from the more I become like Christ. Romans 12 talks about this as far as the importance of how we get there to become like Christ. And he says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, Romans 12, 1 through 2, in view of God's mercy, so all that God has done, his mercy, his grace, his forgiveness, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. What is it? Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So you have a world that's constantly trying to indoctrinate us, influence us, um, sway us, right? And he says, listen, that in view of God's mercy, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, the way they do relationships, the way they view politics, the way they view issues, social issues, the way they do anything, motivations, money, power, all those things but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
he would later on say, taking on the mind of Christ. It's God's goal is to replace our mind and put in the mind of Christ. So that's one of the ways that we want to fulfill the mission statement of God is we want to be people that are experiencing Jesus personally. The second thing we want to do, and that kind of comes out of this when that's happening, is we want to exemplify Jesus relationally. So we want to experience him personally, and then we want to exemplify, be an example of Jesus relationally. Um, the Bible's pretty clear on this, that love is a big deal. And love is an is a interactive thing, right? There's no such thing as love as far as if there's just one person, there's no one around them. Love demands relationship. And the Bible says that God is love. He's the full embodiment of love, and he wants us to be the full embodiment of his love. Um, John 13, 34 through 35, Jesus says this. These are powerful words. He says, a new command I give to you. This is new. Because before, in the Old Testament, it was love others as they, or treat others as they treat you, right? He says, I'm giving you a new command. So this is for the church. Love one another as I have loved you, so you love one another. So we, now we love not based on how people treat us. We love based on how God has loved us. And he says, by this, everyone will know that you are my, keyword, disciples. So when we talk about go and make disciples, we're going to know if we're disciples by the way we love one another, as far as are we loving like Jesus loved. His love is loyal, right? 1 Corinthians 13 talks about this. If you want to read, be a full embodiment of the love of God. Love is loyal. Love is humble. Um... Love confronts in truth. Love is forgiving. All these things, there's all these qualities, right? Well, these are the qualities of God. So we want to remove our ways of loving where we love in a limited way, we forgive in a limited way, we're loyal in a limited way, right? And we want to expand that to an eternal God that loves endlessly, but also loves purely. And so we want to exemplify Jesus relationally. And why, why didn't I just put love there? Because sometimes we can interpret our, our, our own, what we think love is. And, and it's loving the way Jesus loved. It's being an example of Jesus to others. That no matter how they treat me, how did Jesus treat his enemies? I mean, he washed the feet of the disciples. And one of those disciples he knew was deceptive throughout their whole relationship. And he still washed their feet. That, that tells us a lot. So when it comes to our marriages and when it comes with our kids and when it comes to people at church or when it comes to our bosses or employees, we have a new goal and it's not to be treated with respect and you better respect me or uh, I'll treat you if you treat me that way. We get, we get rid of that and we just say, I want to love like Jesus. That's our goal. First John lays it down even more. First John 4. First John is not the book of John. It's a letter of John um, in the New Testament um, towards the end of it, he says this, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. So you can't love unless you really know God, and it comes from Him, so I must experience Jesus. He deposits that love in so I can love others. He says, Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. So I'm a Christian, but I'm going to love the way I love. This is why it's important for us to define this mission statement. What the Bible says is, no, you're not a Christian. Like you're literally not saved if you continually seek to improperly love other people. That's a big deal. This is why we want to get back to the basics saying, hey, 
this love thing is like really crucial. And it's, it's going to require a lot of change in us. And it's going to require a lot of discomfort, but we know the end result is we become like Christ. Die to ourselves, we rise anew in Him. And so he says, this is how God showed love among us. He sent His one and only Son in the world that we might live through Him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His love or sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So notice God loved first. So love takes the first step. It doesn't wait. It engages. He says, Dear friends, since God so loved us, so we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us. If we love one another, God lives in us. If we love one another, God lives in us. If we don't love one another, then God doesn't live in us. We deceive ourselves and God is not in our church then. So the way we love is proof that God is in us. Again, that we're experiencing Jesus personally. And he says that, he goes on to say, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. So one of the goals of our church is we want to exemplify Jesus relationally. We want to learn to interact, to relate, and that's why, again, going through John's so important. We're, we're just going to watch and observe and try to copy and to mimic. The third, the third way as far as um, our mission statement, our purpose, as far as taking it from Jesus and really fleshing it out is, so we want to experience Jesus personally. We want to exemplify Jesus relationally. Um, the last one is we want to express Jesus missionally. We want to be an expression of God to the world. So we want to continue his mission, right? Jesus said, I came to seek and save the lost. Like, that's one of the primary things he said. He said, I came to preach, but I came to seek and save the lost. So we want to be an expression, an extension, really, of Jesus missionally. We want to do that personally. We want to be one to reach one. So we want to be people that we continue his mission as far as um, reaching people disconnected from church or God. So anyone disconnected, we want to be on mission to, to bring them to God or at least to help them on their journey, maybe to take steps uh, towards God. Um, Matthew 5, 14 through 16 reminds us where Jesus says, you are the light of the world. Okay, you're the light. No education, no politics, no other person, no other system is light. You are, the church is the light of the world town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So one way that we're on mission is his deeds. The way that Jesus went and he showed the love of God to people disconnected from him through his actions. So we want to be people on mission as far as through our actions. The way we act brings glory to God. So that we realize when we're in the classroom, we realize when we're at work, we realize that we're at the store, at the pool, which is just over here, wherever we're at, we always realize we're on mission. It's crazy, I can't tell you how many times, I mean, sometimes um, I enjoy maybe in the evening going to the jacuzzi, not right now, it's summertime, but especially during the winter. And I'm thinking the jacuzzi is just about my muscles are sore, I just want to relax, I want to chill. I can't tell you how many times there's been people there 
and I have a decision. I don't know if you're like this, right? Where you're going and you don't want to talk to anyone. <laughs> I just want to go. I don't want there to be anyone in the jacuzzi. I just want to relax. But I can't tell you how many times there's been spiritual conversations. Um, how many times all of a sudden the conversations just kind of wandered into spiritual things. And it's amazing when I have a mindset of even going to the jacuzzi, it's not about necessary uh, physical relief. That God might have someone there and they might be on a journey and I might be the one just to kind of encourage them or help guide them by asking questions and just my actions. Do I, do I go in? Do I smile? Do I say hi? Or my, is my head down? I'm looking away and I don't want to talk. We exemplify Jesus. Jesus was always ready. Wherever he was at, he was always ready to point someone to God. He was always ready to, to love someone towards God. We are a light and that light's on 24-7. It's important for us as a church. We're on mission. 2 Corinthians 5 even gives us a, another definition. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. The old is gone. The new is here. That's that transformation, right? The old is gone. The new is here. We're changed. He says, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. He gave us the ministry of reconciliation. He gave us something. He didn't just give us eternal life. He gave us a ministry. And it's a ministry that reconciles people to God. How different it would it be as a church if you see everyone, not in their personalities or their political beliefs or their status or their money, but you saw them as either connected or disconnected from Jesus? How would that change your interaction? How would that change our interactions if it's what Jesus says is really real? Like the reason he was passionate is that death can keep us from God for eternity. Like it's serious. It's not a game where you get another try. And all of a sudden I see people as they're disconnected for eternity from God. Can I maybe say something or point something? Like it, it, it changes when you have to understand that we have the ministry and we're given by God. It's a calling. It's not how we feel. God has called us to the ministry of reconciliation. He says, God has been reconciling the world to himself through Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he's committed to us the message of reconciliation. So we have a message. We don't just have action. We're the light of the world. So let your good deeds be seen by all. Okay, we have good deeds, but also we have a message of reconciliation. So we want to equip ourselves and encourage each other to know what we're communicating. How do we communicate the gospel? How do we communicate that, hey, God loves you, or hey, God's got a plan for you, or man, God's grace is amazing. That message is both personal, but it's also biblical. So I can share about how God's impacted me personally, but also can point them to the Bible. I'm, I'm already, we're getting into training. I'm going to be doing that through John. We have plenty of time. I'm just letting you know this is our mission, primarily. Other things might happen. Some laughs, some comfort, some support, all these kinds of things. But we can't miss the main reason why God's created Access Church. Make disciples. Baptize. How do we make disciples? What is a disciple? We're saying, hey, it's three things. A disciple is someone that is being transformed, right? They're having a personal experience with Jesus, not just this intellectual thing or this informative thing. So they're transformed. They're experiencing Jesus. They're, they're experiencing Jesus personally. They're exemplifying relationally. So the loving is God has loved them, not as they think they should love. And then they express Jesus missionally that we've given this ministry of reconciliation, so we're on mission. So this is our goals. This is what we're going to be kind of pounding the table over. This is what we're going to be evaluating as leaders. Are we doing this? How do we do this from kids to adults to all ages? 
making sure we're not missing the primary thing. And on this journey, we'll see how it unfolds. Sometimes it looks a lot different than you think. Um, many of us know of a company called 3M. They make scotch tape. So if you don't know of them, if you have tape in your house, you can think 3M. But here's the interesting journey of 3M. 3M was started, I think, about 115 years ago. I think 1906 or 05, somewhere around there. The name 3M actually means Minnesota Mining and Manufacturing. When they first started, so their mission was they wanted to solve problems, right? They just, they, they were, um, they wanted, the guys primarily, they wanted to be innovators. They didn't know exactly how that was gonna work out. So when they first started, they thought, you know what? Let's start because we kind of have knowledge with mining and stuff like that, that they thought they could help kind of develop sandpaper and take it to new levels. And so they started doing that and you know what? They made no money. They come with all kinds of innovative things. They struggled, people came, people went. They didn't kind of find their groove. They didn't find their niche. In fact, 13 years in, they still made no money. They didn't turn a profit until I think 1915, 1916s. Well, about 10 years in. 10 years, no profit. They didn't give up. Why? Because we want to be innovative. We know how we're designed, what we can do. We just got to find the right market, find the right niche. And that would uh, happen 23 years later when they hit it big, when cars manufacturers, they were doing painting and they couldn't get the tape to really stick well. And so these guys found out about it. And so they really stopped mining so much for you know, certain materials for sandpaper. And they came up with this innovative way of it being sticky on one side, not sticky on the other, and this Scotch tape brand. 23 years to really fulfill um, in a powerful way their mission and their vision. We're three and a half years in, and I think we're still finding our niche. We're still finding our groove. Um, we've moved locations, we've moved leadership people, like all these kinds of things, and it takes time takes time but when you're on mission you're on vision again 3m new let's just keep innovating and they actually had more failures than they had successes but they knew just keep innovating keep innovating it's gonna be the same thing for us just keep our vision on what we're about no matter what's happening around us no matter what's happening you know we just say keep to the vision that god has given us knowing that success will come in time Let Jesus transform us. When I read my Bible, experience Jesus. When I worship, experience Jesus. When I listen to sermons, worship, experience Jesus. Exemplify Jesus in the home and outside of the home. And express Jesus missionally, knowing that as he called us and he saved us, he's looking to do that to others. I hope this helps kind of clarify in a big picture way where we're going. I'm excited. And again, the book of John is going to help work this out in very specific ways as we go through it this fall. Cannot wait to see you guys next Sunday, 10 o'clock, Lisa J. Mails. It'll be great to get back to a live sermon and pray. That's not 110 degrees. So take care, everybody. Hope you enjoy worship now and just time to really not just sing, but to experience Jesus. Take care. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information or to get in contact with our pastoral staff, please go to go to accesschurch.com.